Hey everyone, this is Jeff. Wait, that's not how we start. <laughs> <laughs> podcast this is jeff <laughs> this is laura laughing at jeff <laughs> i'm sorry we should not start laughing but because we're going to talk about some serious stuff today but i feel like we, we need a laugh there's been a lot going on this week and uh the last weekend and this week in america shit's gotten real it has it's it's, it's um it's i haven't fully finished processing everything and and largely, cause I kind of find that a little bit late. But one of the one of the things that's that's that I've been surprised by in this whole thing is I'm surprised how many people are surprised about the president's response. Like that response was pretty authentic to who he is, and people are like, it, it's outrageous. But it was it's no more outrageous now than it was. You know, when he decided to run and he, he talked about Mexicans being rapists and gang members like. Yeah, he but, had that was his message from the campaign. And you yeah. think that he'd be off message, but he's on on message always. And he's he's belittled a number of groups um, from from different religions to genders to um, I feel like it's an ongoing on message of him that's not the typical message you see presidentially because when you enter into a role of president or leader of a nation, you're supposed to be speaking for your people and that's all the people. And I think we wanted to talk about Charlottesville because I've been reading some things, listening to things like Jeff has afterwards. And in the moment on the weekend, I wasn't part, I wasn't online because I go offline quite a bit on the weekend if I'm not doing work. Um, So I didn't see it in the moment, but this past week has had a lot of reflections and sharing on the social streams and the news streams and just among our colleagues. Charlottesville, um, people are worried it could happen anywhere. And a brief recap of it is a rally of a number of um, neo fascists, uh, Nazis, uh, white supremacists, white nationalists um, came together and and a good um, kind of overview of what happened and some reflection happened on the Politically Reactive podcast that Jeff and I have mentioned before. Kamau Bell and Hari Kondabalo talked with people that were there, um, people that are studying the history, and then also people that are living there that phoned in. And it's something that didn't happen, um, but um, I would say they said they didn't expect it to happen, but these protests and marches have happened over the last year and happened many times. So um, the concern from this one rally at a university campus that it'll happen to other campuses, and there was a planned one at Texas A&M that was canceled, for September 11th of this year, and there will be others and other that was demonstrations. A, a white lives, a white lives matter rally. Was a white the name lives, of yeah, because white lives matter. Holy shit! Okay, so um, this is explicit content for children. So hopefully you've not had them on here. Um, so 
that was canceled by the president, and there's many reactions put forth from um, presidents of different universities, directors and executive directors and presidents of orgs, um, to the associations. We had affiliated primarily with um, Student Affairs, ACPA, and NASPA both put a reaction. ACPA left it with, this is exactly us. And NASPA put, this is not us. Um, I don't know. Is, is this us? Is it them? Jeff, what's going on in the world of America today? Hashtag, this is them. This is them. Um, th- I mean, this is totally us. This is our history. This is the whole point of how we're trying to not move on to forget about it, but move on to be better humans. But during the during the campaign, it got pretty ugly. And there was a point where Donald Trump was trying to reach out to African-Americans. And I said then, though we didn't have a podcast, so I said it to no one in particular, um, then he's not trying, and I probably actually heard this from someone else and repeated it as my own. He's not trying to reach out to African-Americans to actually reach out to African-Americans or blacks, Latinos, or the, the poor. He's trying to do that so white people feel better about voting for someone who's not explicitly a racist. It's like he was doing it more for like the white voters than the actual population he's talking about. Because specifically white females were not polling high at that particular point because of, because of his – what he said about different races. But as a country, yeah, this is us. Like we're, this is like, it's still ugly and there's still a lot of, uh, racism. Um, it doesn't mean it's all of us individually. And there are people that are, are moving on and trying to be allies and trying to help make change and trying to go forward. And it, I, I imagine if, if, if I were a, uh, a minority, I'd be more frustrated that um, I will probably feel angry when people say this is not us if I have to live with this discrimination on a daily basis. Because it's there and it, it is real and it's happened in every country. And so this is not my home country, but Canada, we have things to talk about. And in our 150th year anniversary, we're still making a reconciliation for um, the indigenous population that we tore apart. We moved young boys into residential schools. Uh, we took ripped them from their family to get get rid of their language, their culture, their their um, ways and habits of being. And we did that intentionally in, in Canada. So every country has a history that I would say is still not resolved or reconciled. And this comes from yeah when this country was founded. Uh, there was a lot of indigenous and working and unpaid labor and slavery. And this is not uncommon. Um, I listened to a podcast recently from a different point of view. It's a new one called rough translation. And uh, it's a podcast that flips uh, narratives like this to other nations. The one I heard was the first episode was black and white in Brazil. And Brazil actually was a country founded with more slaves than the U.S. Mm-hmm. And they're still dealing with um, what it means to have a 20% of people of color within their government or roles and positions in schools. And that's because people that were 
uh, mixed, or they call it parto, on, on the edge, want, wanted to claim themselves as, as white because that was a classist system. And so lighter skins, um, black people would go to the major cities and get jobs and go to get educated because they fit in with the whiteness. And now those that are parto, that are trying to um, get those positions as people of color and recognizing it's not something to be ashamed of, um, have to go up and prove almost that they're black. And it's such an interesting um, different way of looking at it. And we've seen in other countries of color um, of skin to a class system. Um, there's hierarchies that we see. So the U.S. has some of it, but it's it's in every country. We just have to deal with it. And it, this rally uh, was the was to, in part, taking down the statue of, is it General Lee? Yeah, Robert E. Lee. Robert E. Lee. And he was the Civil War. He wasn't even a real general. He was... He, he he was in charge of the um the the south the south army right so he was actually somewhat close to abraham lincoln abraham lincoln asked him to uh, i don't i don't know how much this was correct honestly abraham lincoln asked him to be in charge of the union army but he couldn't take up arms against a southerner um so cuz he his house is in in, in virginia um, the cemetery, um, um, is it near there? And we'll, we'll get some, we'll get like a history, like just to fact check us, but it's essentially, um, Arl- Arlington National Cemetery is on his property that he had prior to the war. Okay. And then the government took it over. So his house is still there. So, so he, yeah, so he, he led the army, he led the South. Uh, um, and, and against the the North, um, people like to say he did it because he doesn't want to take up arms against the South. But he was okay with slavery. Like he wasn't like an abolitionist. Right. That like states' rights was so important to him that he had to you know go for, go for the the, um, the South. Like he, um, yeah. So. There's statues all over the South. There's some in our, our state capital. There's um, there's right. one in San Antonio that, um, coincidentally, uh, two members of our city council are petitioning to take down. It's a more generic um, statue of a Confederate soldier versus um, versus a, like a general or Jefferson Davis or something. Right. Uh, the University of Texas here took down statues. Um, within the last maybe three years ago, they had a statue of Jefferson Davis there, who was the president of the Confederacy, and um, and maybe Lee. I don't remember if he had a statue or not. So um, I I was at one point I was uh, I had always thought about these statues of um, like I know statues have a, like an honor to them, right? And so like the people aren't necessarily deserving of the honor. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like, I don't want to, like, I don't want us to forget our, the ugly part of our history too. Um, so however, now, um, I mean, I always wait, I always lean to taking them down, but thought about, are we, are we erasing some of our ugly past at the same time? Um, right. Um, and so, well, that's just a visual past. Like you're right. Right. Yeah. Right. But but now I'm f- like fully like it needs to just they need to they need to go right like it's um, 
kids shouldn't walk on college campuses and look at look at monuments of, of people who wanted to oppress them or thought that they were better than them or they, they were less than them. And so, so it it doesn't serve. Uh, there's no positive purpose other than some people want to say my ancestors died in that war. Like I, so, I I'm with smash these idols. And that, and that's yeah. why we start looking up to sh- the people that came before us also came and put in systematic things and aspects of oppression and the way our systems run, whether it's education or government or business. I think the question of that and and it's not the first time um, Charlottesville had a protest, and nor is it the last time we'll see one in this country. It's Heaton's last um, three years since um, Ferguson, Michael Brown. Like, there's there's other things that have brought up um, tensions of, I'd say, racial tensions in this country. Uh, so let's get, say visible tensions between groups. Um, and I, I'm just really baffled that uh, people... It was taken to this extreme, and it's it's different now because there was weapons um, from the protesters. Like this isn't a civil, peaceful protest. This is um, tear gas and weaponry and armed people marching. And I have a concern because we have the same thing in Dallas. We have uh, a discussion opened for ninety days from the mayor, and there'll be a rally on Saturday. Somewhere, I'm not sure where, but it's not going to be a peaceful rally. Yeah. Um, this Saturday, like I mean tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. So um, we'll probably get this up soon so we can look at it because I want to share some resources that we can look yeah. at. Um, it's so I, I know we we both are pretty good about unplugging on the weekends. When did you hear about it? I heard about it. I think it was late Sunday or Sunday afternoon. I yeah, I was offline. We hosted like um, a potluck card party thing that we game night thing at our house, and we just had it was my friend's birthday that weekend. So I heard Sunday night, and then heard the uh, apo- delayed apology Saturday from Saturday, and then the retraction of both sides or many sides um and i was just really disappointed i think i saw it from the charlottesville curriculum hashtag there's been one going around and some mm-hmm. some good mm-hmm. resources that's around, pretty cool yeah citizenship and social justice um that we'll share out i think in the charlottesville syllabus came up into my email and i was like i have a, a nuzzle that puts in feed and i was like well let's look at this further um yeah and i think that's when i noticed um stuff was going on I so you're actually much later than me. Um, I discovered it late Saturday evening, um, probably around six o'clock. Um, but just in the just in the sense that it was happening, I didn't know any details of it. And then uh, later that night, after I put my kids to bed, I was reading some more um, from the Washington Post their coverage of it that night. Um, our newspaper had a pretty fantastic section on Sunday because it was covering that story, um, our story about the monument here in Travis park. Mm -hmm. And someone had gone through like this, uh, fantastic history of, uh, like the monument, um, like it came from and kind of went about monuments in general. Mm -hmm. These monuments did not spring up immediately after the war. These monuments primarily came up in the fifties, just as a reminder, um, about, um, uh, 
just as just as a reminder to the to you know minority populations in your city, um, so it yeah it's super troubling and um, I didn't know really any details about the young lady that was killed until uh, Monday maybe or mm-hmm. Tuesday. Um, I tried to explain it to my son on Sunday what happened. Because when we were doing our bedtime prayers Saturday night, um, I prayed for people who were scared, um, trying to be as vague as possible. But he asked me who was scared. I said, we'll talk about it tomorrow. And he remembered. So we had to talk about it. He has, he goes, he is in a diverse classroom. And so, you know, these are friends of his and teachers of his. And, and so we had that conversation Sunday morning. Um, one thing as far as resources I was proud about is there's, um, there are a lot of going to a Christian school. Like I have a lot of, uh, minister type friends on mm-hmm. social media and they were, um, like quick to name this as being an evil thing that the church should be talking about. And there's that Saturday, there's, um, I don't know what time this came out. There's a pastor. Uh, well, actually, he's a faculty member at uh, Wheaton College, mm-hmm. but he's also a pastor, and he ran Lifeway Research at one point. His name was Ed Stetzer. Okay. He wrote he wrote an article in Christianity Today that was published on Saturday. Um, basically, like, this is what your church needs to be doing tomorrow. So, like, he... You know, a lot of times people aren't that fast to publish anything because things are still coming. Like, we don't have all the information. Right. Um, things are still coming out. But he, like, immediately wrote this article and, like, you needed to do this. And then yesterday there was an editorial from a Christian organization leader in the Washington Post that basically says um, – I have not spoken out against racism like I should. I'm re- I'm re- re- I'm repenting and asking for forgiveness. So like, so a lot of like religious leaders are. Um, this is, was a huge eye opening wake up to them. I'm uh, I'm really disappointed that the that the president's faith posse, whatever they're called, yeah, faith advisors, um, like haven't said a thing. Um, specifically about the the president and their lack of leadership in this area. I am really impressed that you did what we all should be doing um, because we aren't people of color. Um, We're having those conversations. Like we need to be talking about it. So what you did with your son is really cool. So kudos to you because I think you've said it right is we have to recognize that it is our problem if we're not talking about it just because you and I um, are white. It doesn't mean we can't be part of the conversation and having conversations. And I think it's cool. I think a number of um, religious leaders and other, even teachers that are in predominant, like even if they're in almost white classrooms or fully white, they're going to talk to their congregation or their classroom. And they're going to have a discussion about understanding your place and privilege and recognizing um, that unconscious biases that we have right and so one of it is knowing that we come if you come from a point of privilege or you have more access than someone else does recognize that 
call it out if you see it. And this comes from different yeah. things. Like uh, it could be from sitting in a meeting and having someone not listen to the only woman in the room and she's being mansplained something from her boss to that there's no one around the table of a different color than white. Like I think something needs to be talked about. Absolutely. And it's like it's this, if you see something, say something. And I think we need to do more of that. Um, we need to point out if you see a swastika somewhere. Like we need to recognize signs of um, embeddedness of hate because I don't think we're even addressing it or we just let a casual comment pass us by. Um and I think of phrases like when people said to me, like, that's so gay. And I used to go, is it really homosexual? No. Well, what did you mean by that? And I used to, like, my, my family was on to be like, oh, it's Laura coming in here with her language. I said, do you understand that language and what you do means a lot to other people? And yeah. maybe not you because you have a very uh, privileged life, but other people, it does impact them. Um, did you hear a Sam Sanders podcast, It's Been a Minute? I did. Yeah, I started listening to that when you recommended. So he does two types of podcasts. He does a deep dive on that comes out on Tuesday. He does a, a weekend review that comes out on Friday. Um, I'm like listening to it Saturday morning has become like one of my Saturday morning things. Like I wake up early, I make breakfast with my family, and so like I can like put it on in the kitchen. And it's also like my introvertedness. Like I like no one come in the kitchen while I'm making pancakes. <laughs> um, I need I need to like listen to it's been a minute and. And, uh, um, well, like last week he talked about how he was super excited. He spent a day with the union editorial team. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that was going to be Tuesday's podcast. Well, Monday I, I saw on Twitter, he was saying that he wanted to talk to white people where, uh, who have changed something since Charlottesville. So he interviewed Sierra McCayman, who's another NPR, uh, politics podcaster mm-hmm. uh, or politics reporter. Sorry. And um, and just interviewed people, interviewed white people about it. And it was um, really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it was like therapeutic for a lot of the people. I think it was therapeutic for Sam. I, I, I often – there was a time – one of my biggest learning moments came from a colleague of mine. Her name is Anise Fisher. I haven't talked to her in years though. But I remember there was a blackface party at the University of Arizona, and I was kind of—I was talking to her about it afterwards, and I was kind of like, "Like, what is the like?" And I forget the director of the diversity center. Like, what? What is their plan? Like, like I want them to say something so then we can be on board with it, right? Like, are they going to put out a statement? Is mm-hmm. it going to be an educational um, conversation? Like, like what? Like. Let me know what's happening so I can do it. And then he said, like, I don't think they're doing anything because they're tired of being the first ones to speak up when something goes wrong. And that that like hit me like a like a load of bricks on how um, like we don't have to wait for the person being oppressed to say this is wrong before or the person being um, targeted or belittled or made fun of to say this is wrong um, like and and us get on board with it versus like why can't we be the first to speak sometime right however i also don't want to i don't also don't want to i want to give people room like room right like i want like i don't want to be like the spokesperson for for those either so i'm not really um 
I'm, I'm never sure like what to do. I think Sam did it in a, a fantastic way that um, like allowed people to, to have that space without feeling like I'm speaking for white America. On behalf of white America, I'm going to speak for black America or something like that. I listened to that um, podcast too. And I, and I wanted to talk to you about it because it was kind of on my mind um, this whole week, what's been going on. And I, I think you're right. Like we don't always have to be the people to speak up. Um, sometimes it's good for us white people to sh- shut the hell up and let other people talk and let, and listen. Like, I think some of it is, I think some of what I took away from this week and re- what I've been reading and watching and listening to is we need to listen to more and maybe listen to those voices that aren't comfortable and always speaking up. And I think I've spoken up for people and I, it's probably, I've spoken up for not, not just not thinking about minorities, but anyone who's been like felt li- lesser than or belittled. Yeah, pretty much. That's part of my role now. Um, no, and but I think it's been talking about the underdog, the underperson who's been in the struggle. Um, and, and there's some people struggling with it. And I think I think when it comes to race, there's going to be so many more nuances as there's more mixed race um, families and different types of families. And I think that's amazing. Um, but I don't think we're, we aren't the majority, we aren't the, the majority of people that might be at these supremacy marches and like neo, like Nazi is what national socialism is what Nazi stands for. This nationalist idea is exclusive to some. And so I'm still trying to struggle with like, uh, a point of pride that's okay. Um, to be patriotic in your, um, for me, I'll say my continent of North America, uh, to a point of exclusion for some. And so I, I think you're right. There's a, there's a line between that and that maybe we just need to have some more of these conversations that are talking about, um, identity and talking about, um, like what's real or I don't know, like, I don't know. It's, it's something that I, you and I haven't probably experienced as much other than you pointing out that I'm Canadian. Um, but <laughs> I like, it, it's, it's not like I felt anotherness and there's been times you feel like you're another, but it's different when it's a visual other, like I can, I can blend in. Um, there are moments that I'm, I'm in that I'm another, but like I can leave it whenever I want. Right. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's not my everyday world. It's my uh, unique circumstance of that of that time, like a specific meeting or a specific, like, um, yeah. Like there's 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 times in San Antonio, living in San Antonio, that I'm in there, but I'm not there forever. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I can get out of it whenever I want to. It's not like it's the my my reality every day at work, every day at um, my social circles. It's, yeah. Have you listened to anything else about this? Um, so, yeah. So the Politically Reactive podcast was good this past week. Um, it, it talked with people that have been both studying to understanding to in it to from that area in Charlottesville. Um, listening to that Rough Translation podcast and the Sam Sanders one was good. Um, yeah, I'm still kind of just like chewing on it. And I, I wanted to talk to you about it because I thought there was some – some of the good resources we could share out with folks who were in the struggle or pondering as well. I haven't listened to pod save uh, America in a while. 
And so I logged in to on Monday to download it, to look at it. And I was delighted to hear they had a friend of the podcast, Julissa Arce on. Oh, cool. So she was on, uh, last week's, um, pod save America entitled denouncing Nazis is so fucking easy. Ooh, I'm going to uh, listen to that. Yeah. And oh, they had, yeah. they had Duray McKesson on and I forget the name of his podcast, but he has a podcast on crooked media. And I want to go back and listen to where he was, he actually went down to interview, um, like he interviewed people that were, the, that were there on the ground. I think, it, Oh, pod save the people. Mm-hmm. It says so. I've been meaning to go back and listen to Dre McKesson's podcast, of Pots of the People." But, um, but yeah, it was. I was delighted to hear Jaleesa. I sent her a text message and it's like, I, "I know you wrote a book and you met the governor and you met the president, but now you've really made it." <laughs> Actually, as you said that, I, I did. I went back to Code Switch, um, and they had a just like just over a half hour podcast. And I listened to that on um, what it means to what it means for Charlottesville that people yeah. are in the mix of a town being put in the limelight and how they're, how they're having some resentment for the way the, the GOP is um, taking this to um, how they're just dealing with it, uh, going about their day. And they talked with some folks um, what their day to day looks like. And in the last week, so we'll put those as resources. Um, this, this conversation won't be over, but we're still, I think going to reflect a little bit. So Thanks for chatting with me about it, Jeff, even if it's yeah. awkward and yeah, <laughs> let's keep, no, let's keep talking about it. I think yeah, that's yeah. what it comes down to. So, I mean, well, for me, I mean, for us here, this is a conversation that's going to be happening in Texas. All right. So like this is going to yeah. um, literally be in our backyard. It's something we can keep talking about and updating people on as, as it's happening. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, until then, be safe. Have a good weekend. You too. Bye. Right. Bye everyone. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.